Yo, 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 peoples, this is too fault for sure, and you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13, to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits, and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Hey guys, welcome, welcome, welcome once again to Live and in Color with Wolfie D and my man Jimmy across the street. What is going on, my friend? What's up, dude? How you doing today, brother? Man, I am running around here with these kids. It's fall break here. And yeah. my boy plus my inherited boy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, you know. Cooking breakfast, cooking lunch, and being, uh, you know, daddy daycare. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Man, that's a movie. We need to do this as a movie, I think. Wolfie Daycare. Wolfie, Wolfie D stands for daycare now. So. Yeah, and you know, it's it's October now, and you know how I get in October. So, yeah. Got my uh, got all my Halloween stuff working and making Dude. new stuff, putting out the old stuff. And, man, I got, I got people, I'm, I'm going to start charging admission to my yard because I, I looked out there the other day and there was three girls out in my yard, like they taking pictures next to all my stuff, like they was at Disneyland or something. <laughs> <laughs> Getting it on the gram. Yeah, I, I was on the phone yesterday with uh, with Dirty White Boy, and then uh, all of a sudden, some guy pulls in my yard, gets out of his car, nice dressed fella, comes and rings my doorbell, and I went over there and I said, "Dad, can I help you?" He said, "Man, I just want to tell you that I love this. Halloween is my favorite uh, holiday, and man, I just love when people do stuff like this. And your stuff looks awesome, you know, because yeah. I, I build all my own stuff, so they never, you know, they know I didn't buy it at Home Depot or whatever." But, yeah. Uh, so I thought that was funny, and it was because I had White Boy on speaker too, so he heard it, and he's—he's. He's, I've sent him pictures of it. He said his kids loved it and everything too. So it's Dude. fun, man. You know, I have fun with Halloween. Dude, you're doing some incredible stuff, and I'm just saying, all that other stuff is great, like the the big wolf and the witch and yeah. the lights and the design and stuff. But that skeleton wrestling ring is tops, bro. <laughs> I'm serious. You uh, you're outdoing yourself. I'm thinking that there needs to be a professional service done here. You know, you and I are always trying to think of ways to make money right i mean <laughs> yeah. we're hustlers and i think wolfie d could be a, like a local somerset you know it might detract from what you do at home but honestly you know a, a prop maker a prop maker but also like a, a yard designer is there such a thing i mean i know I there's know. like lawn care and you know that kind of stuff but everybody wants their house and chris i mean dude what you could do with halloween i'm sure you could do christmas too oh, i'm just saying so hey, if you want your if you're somewhat local to what is it Southern Kentucky? Where are you at? Southeast yeah, Somerset. Somerset. So, I mean, I, yeah, I know, but what's the area? It's like southeast. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, southeast, pretty much. Yeah, southeastern Kentucky. If you're in the what 30 to 45 minute vicinity, <laughs> and you want Wolfie D to do your yard, let's just go ahead and pimp it, man. I think <laughs> you know there would be a nominal fee. You know, depending nominal. on what you, a nominal maybe. More nominal than I don't even know what nominal means, but yeah, it, it makes sense in the sentence. But yeah, man, things are going good on my side too, brother. Just working, working, working. Recently had yeah. 
Chris Kern on the podcast of mine and then having Scott uh-huh. Spade. I think you worked up in Chicago one time for pal. Yeah. Jamie. And so yeah. anyway, we're, we're, you know, we're having fun and, and living the dream. And so anyway, just yeah. busting our hump, but I got to ask you, man, you know, what are we doing today? Who's our guest? What, what are we talking about today, man? Well, I mean, we're sitting here talking about being busy and all that. And, uh, I've got an idea of, uh, you know, some people have joined in later. Obviously when we first started, we weren't getting the numbers that we get now on right. a, a weekly basis, you know? So some people, haven't had the time or even cared to go back and maybe listen to some of the older stuff. So I was thinking maybe you could put together like a best of, like best of uh, some of the funniest stories and craziest stories that I've told and that some of the guests have told and and let it roll with that. And, uh, you know, let, just let people catch up on some of it. Some of it, I'm sure some of you have heard already. Ain't going to hurt you to hear it again. So uh, yeah. if you haven't heard it, you'll you'll enjoy it. I like well, you know what? I like that idea. So what we can do is a lot of people they do give the ask Wolfie questions, and mm-hmm. a lot of the questions we love, we appreciate them all. But some of the questions we've answered several times on the show. So what we'll do is, I think I've got an idea, man. I think I think this is going to work, man. I think this is going to work. We'll pull some of the great great stories from the times past, from guests past, from your career, you know, and just have some fun, man. I, I think this will be a lot of fun. Yeah, cool, man. If you could put that together, that'd be awesome. I can do it, brother. I can do it. But I'm going to hold you to this. After all these clips, we're going to do a brand new, just like normal, Ask Wolfie Anything. What do you say to that? We can do that. We can do that. Okay. Well, you go through this list. Go ahead and listen to this show. Listen to all these great stories that we're about to put here for you. And maybe something you've never heard before. You never can tell. Yeah. At the very end, just like normal, we're going to do a Ask Wolfie Anything. All right. All right. Let's do it, man. All right. We'll be right back after these messages with some of the very best stories from all the early episodes on Live and in Color with Wolfie D. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for Live and in Color with Wolfie D is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WOLFIE at manscaped.com. If my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. Hey, folks, to get your official Live It In Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live It In Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. 
one night we're on a outlaw show in uh Beaver Dam, Kentucky. Okay. Jeff Jarrett was there, uh Pistol Pez Wiley, you know, some people we been around. Jamie knew them all because he grew up with them. You know what I'm saying? His dad, you know. Right. He grew up dude, he was a kid around all of them. So yeah. Jamie obviously knew Jeff and you know, we knew we kinda had a good thing going with the gimmick. And uh Jamie had one of those big VHS recorders and he said, Jeff film this match because I think we were in Brickhouse and somebody else which we knew was going to be pretty good so yeah. believe it or not Jeff said okay and Jeff uh, actually stood outside Beaver Dam Kentucky's you know outlaw show dressing room and held a video camera and filmed our match for us and uh, yeah I know at that time especially um, and so we come back and he's, he's like that was good and Jamie pulls the tape out of it he says go take that to your dad uh-huh. Just like all right. So Jerry is the booker in USWA, and uh, yeah. So I forget who's trying to call who, who's trying to do what. Believe it or not, Bill was actually trying to block us from getting a job there. That's a whole other oh. story. Okay. But uh, uh, Jeff showed it to his dad. His dad loved it. Um. So we kept trying to schedule an appointment. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of where Jerry lived in Hendersonville, up on top of a hill. Right. Big mansion. mansion. Uh, had a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was nice. And that was where the office yeah. was. Right. So we're trying to get an appointment to get there. Uh, the first week we show up, we actually pull in the driveway, uh, and, and Jerry blew us off. He never came to the door, called us uh, later and said, sorry, guys, I'm sick, you know, blah, blah, blah. So like, fuck, okay. And Jamie said, we ain't quitting. <laughs> and so that's what yeah. he said to me. Yeah. We finally get another one, I don't know, like a week later. Pull up to the mansion, and Jamie said, "He said before we go in, he said I'm just telling you, uh, if we make him laugh, we got a job." I'm like, all right, because that was kind of our early edition of PG-13 was a lot of comedy and little heels screwing up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and the look, the look was something unique that nobody had done yet. So totally, and I'll I say that in proudness when I say other people that have copied us after us. But anyway, so <laughs> <John Cena. clears throat> yeah, <laughs> too cool. Public enemy. We can go on. Anyway, yeah. um, so we go in and his office, you, you go right into it and he said, all right, boys, and he's got a red nose still from where he's been so sick and blowing it all the time and everything. And he says, go in, go in that room right there. And we had our stuff with us. We had the hubcap and everything. And uh, he said, well, put this gimmick on. Let me see it. And so we go in there and we change clothes in a, in a room next to it. Dude, we had to walk across. A, like, there was a ballroom in there. And I was 19 right. years old, dude. I was like blown away. <laughs> so we come back in his office with the gimmick on, hats crooked, sunglasses on, hubcap around the neck, tennis shoes. And we stand there and we just look at him. And he, if you have ever seen Jerry on some of his commentary and things, just like been around him. He'll he'll pause for a long time sometimes, and then spit in that cup. Yeah, and he started he started giggling. He started giggling. He said, "I love it." <laughs> so at that moment, we knew okay, we got a job. We didn't know, you know, old school eighties and stuff. They used to play the the music videos of the wrestlers before they would show up for like oh, a yeah. month, and then they'd show up and you'd have that hype. He said, I want you guys to write a rap, and uh, we're going to film a, a rap video. And see, at that time, me and Jamie really, we were just being thugs. We weren't rappers. I liked rap. And you, if you know Jamie, Jamie's not a rapper. <laughs> you no. know? So yeah. in my mind, I'm thinking, this is going to be so challenging. Uh, but anyway, so I write this rap. Um, we film the video. 
the first one was okay. I look back on them now and I'm like, God, that's awful. But it was what it was. Uh, Four weeks worth, two different raps, four weeks before we ever came on TV. And so that's how much he liked the gimmick and wanted to get it over. And uh, that's, that's how that started. There was never, at that point in time, never a, this is, Jamie Dundee, Bill's son. We didn't mention it. This is right. you know, one of those things Jamie ignored. Yeah. We were just two dudes from the hood, and we were heels yeah. and little first, second, third match guys, and happy as hell to be there. And you know, that's yeah. what that was. Yeah. There was one night. It was a TV taping on the other side of the island, and uh, he Dutch. And, and and you got to remember, in a lot of these towns back then, man, dressing rooms weren't connected. It was bad guys in one, good guys in another, man. That shit didn't start right. till mid-90s, really, in a lot of places. So the, the referee could go back and forth, give you stuff, whatever. So Dutch told us before we went out there, we were heels. And he said, I want to get you guys over. He said, I'm putting you in kind of like their version of job guys. They weren't, you know, stars or whatever. One of them was a big Puerto Rican dude. One of them was a little Japanese guy. Yeah. And Dutch said, I don't want you to give him nothing. He he said, I want you to get over. Okay, so if you were to tell me that today or even, you know, 10 years ago, I would know exactly what that meant. Then right. I kind of knew what it meant. Yeah. So <clears throat> we go out there and uh, I think me and the big guy locked up first. And we're kind of going back and forth a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm not doing a, a ton of big stuff to him, but not, I'm not letting him do anything. But then he starts taking stuff and doing this and, and not like stretching me and not shooting none of that. It was just, I was giving him too much. And sure. then we got the little Japanese guy in there and whatnot and finished the match, finished it strong. So we get back from the ring and Dutch is pissed. What the fuck? He said, I told you not to give him a, fucking thing he said how do you want me to get you over if you're sitting out here selling to these guys that ain't shit I'm like, well, fuck man i thought you know right. <laughs> you want to just have beat someone i was always kind of taught that too if you don't give them up yeah. then who the hell you beat but anyway yeah who um, you beat? right <laughs> so then uh i think like as a rib uh he booked us the very next tv against the same two guys you know and i knew that almost for the whole week coming up so I'm like, man, and this dude, was, he was like a um, security guard sort of deal or something on the side or something, but he was a big dude, especially I wasn't that big back then. So, I, you know, the boys are ribbing me all week long. Oh, you got to wrestle. I think his name was Armadito. You got to wrestle Armadito again. He's going to stretch your ass. He's going to stretch your ass. So here I am again at, you know, early 20s or 20. I don't even think I could drink in Puerto Rico. Yeah, I was like 20 still. And, uh, right. So I'm thinking, I am not getting my ass kicked here in Puerto Rico. It's not going to happen. So yeah. can I straight up yeah. whoop him? I'm not sure. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> there was this uh, there was this bar that hung over the ocean right down from where we live, and it's called the Blue Dolphin. And I went down there that night, and I sat out there, and the matches didn't start till 9. So, you know, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, I'm going down to the Blue Dolphin, sitting there contemplating on, um, okay, how's this going to go tonight, having a few drinks? And I come up with the idea of I'm going to put Icy Hot on my fingers, I'm going to stick in his fucking eyes, I'm going to whoop shit out of him. 
Yeah. So I put, I put it on there uh, like like you would on your toothpaste. Put a, I, yeah. I, I dug that shit. And I, I told him, to, first of all, I took him, I told him to take my arm. And when he did, I took my right hand. I dug that shit in his eyes. And then I just started fucking knucking his ass. We're talking cuts mm-hmm. on his face, and, you know, just, just hitting him. Right. And so he gets out of the ring. Match is over. Referee throws this thing out. None of this, you know, this is a straight up shoot, straight up shoot. And the people knew because they were going crazy. Me and Jamie were kind of hyped. And, you know, this dude rolls out of the ring. He's bleeding. So he goes back to the back. Me and Jamie go back to the back. It's like pandemonium sort of. And I'll never forget. We all of a sudden, you know, and a couple of the, uh, the Puerto Rican baby or heels that was in our dressing room were not happy with me. Amigo, you cheated. And so I'm thinking, okay, now even are they gonna jump on me now? <laughs> so yeah. Then we look out into the arena, and there's, I swear to God, probably about fifteen to twenty cops with those fucking helmets and those clear shields. Yeah. And we're thinking, what the fuck, man? Did this dude, this rent a cop guy's got some friends, or because he's Puerto Rican and we're American, and the other, you know, all the stories, all everything was just rushing through your head at that point right jamie goes and hides in the bathroom and pulls his feet up on the stall that's a it's a funny thing but i couldn't know where he was coming from i mean he pulled his feet up so you couldn't see his feet he's going right right i ain't going i ain't going because we think they're there for us well yeah what what had really happened was this dude goes back to the dressing room on his side and he pulls out a gun and he says to Victor, the promoter, Joe Vigo, he says, I kill the Wolfie. I kill the Wolfie. So Victor called the cops to protect me and Jamie from getting shot. Right. So the police escort us to our car. Uh, I think we had a driver to our car, takes us back to our hotel room. Yeah. We went to bed and the very next morning, and I could feel this and see it like a scene out of a movie, man. It was early. I got to that payphone. It was right outside the, the hotel, and it was pouring down rain. And I'm standing in the rain, and I called Dutch. I said, man, what should I do? He said, Wolfie, I don't, I don't got your back on this. And he said, if you wouldn't icy hot him, I'd have your back. You know, just been a shoot, but you, you put icy hot in a man's eyes. And I said, all right. right. I hung up the phone, took my ass to the airport, and flew home. And, and and everybody that's been down there, uh, I've heard it from Savio Vega. I've heard it from Flash Flanagan. I've heard it from Bushwhacker. I was always a booker down there. Apparently, uh, these guys, uh, and I, I guess Jamie was still there at the same time. He didn't leave when I left. Um, right. But they came to the hotel, him and his dad, because he went home and his dad, you know, Hispanic uh, people, the mochismo type thing, all that. He, they came looking for me. His daddy said, you let this little motherfucker do that to you. I don't know if that was the exact words, but that was the basic reasoning behind coming looking for me. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, so I can't say uh, whether they're going to just beat me up, whether they're going to kidnap me, whether they're going to kill me. I don't know, but I'm glad I left and I never went back. You've told me that you know the story or whatever where I icy hotted the guy, man. What is, what is your yeah. part of that story? What what happened, man? I mean, I'll tell you my side, but you tell me what you this, tell me what this, you heard there. Yeah, let, let me finish this part. Yeah. I, I'm in Japan. I was okay. in Japan. Okay. I was in Japan when okay. I arrived. Uh, I, I, you know, I know all the guys that was there, and I and and I asked for you guys. I said, Oh, you don't know? I said, I know what. 
You know what happened? Said, no. <laughs> These son of a bitches, they put, uh, they, th something happened in the ring with Armandito Salgado. And yeah. he got mad. So they have a match with him, and one of them have been gay in his fingers. And when when they look up, he just grab him by the neck and put the big gay in, in his eyes. And with the with the uh, cop, they beat the fuck out of him. They fuck him up. They jump in the car and left. That's yeah. a lot in my ass. I said, what the fuck? Hey, what okay. the motherfucker? Let me ask. This. Let me ask you this. Do you know that guy? Do you even know him? Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay. Yes, I don't need to All right, well, yeah. I, let me tell you on my side. Let me tell you on yes. my side uh, from what <laughs> happened because I really don't think me and you ever really talked about this. No, we never but, talk about that. No. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I mean, when I come down to Puerto Rico, I'm like 18 or 19, and this is like 94. You know, Brody, what, what year was that where Brody got killed, like? 89, no, 88, 88, 88. Yeah. Okay. So, so young guys going down there, we're hearing that, okay, you know, uh, you know, American guys don't get in trouble. Don't do this. Don't do that. So anyway, Dutch books me and Jamie against, uh, that Armadito Santiago and, and yeah. another little Japanese guy. And Dutch okay. says to us, and this is, you know, back in the day when there was one dressing room for the heels and uh -huh. one dressing room for the for the baby faces. And he yeah. says, he says, go out there. He said, I need you guys to get over. Don't give them shit. So at 18, 19 years old, I kind of didn't know what that meant. Today, I really know what that means. <laughs> but so I go out there and this dude, you know, he's Armadito. You know what? Was he about, what, 6'2", probably? Uh, you know, yeah, sure, maybe. He was way bigger than I was at that point. Uh, I'm proud, proud Puerto Rican. Yes, very, very, very. So I go out there and, and man, I don't I don't give him a lot of shit. I really don't. But I gave him a little more than Dutch wanted me to. So I come back from the ring. We beat him. Blah blah blah. I come back from the ring and Dutch goes, God damn it! I told you not yeah, to give yeah. him shit. Blah 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 blah. So then for the whole next week, I get ribbed by everybody. Oh, Armadito shot on you. Oh, he did this. He did that. Uh, so yeah. I'm staying, you remember, I know you do, the hotel that they used to put all the Americans at. Like, Dahlia. Right, Dahlia. Yeah. Dahlia. The Dahlia. Hell yeah, the Dahlia. Yeah. Right down yeah. the street, and, and there was a bar, uh, the Blue Dolphin, that yeah. hung over the ocean right there. Yeah. yeah. So I know that I'm a guy again. They keep telling me, oh, he's going to beat you up. He's going to beat you up. And I'm thinking, man, I ain't going to I'm 19 years old. I'm not getting beat up. So I'm thinking, what am I going to do? So I come up with this idea. I'm going to put Icy Hot in his fucking eyes, and I'm going to fucking punch <laughs> And so the thing was is that we went to the ring. He grabbed my arm. I put the Icy Hot in his eyes, and then I just started knocking him. I started knocking him. And he, he rolled. Yeah, I really did. And then he rolled out of the ring. Well, here here's the part that, that you may not know, and, and and the thing is, he rolled out of the ring. He was all bloodied and beat up. He went back to the dressing room and he pulled out a gun. Well, me and Jamie Ooh. didn't know that because it was two separate dressing rooms, right? All of a sudden, Ooh. we look around and there are no shit, Savio. There was about I don't know, probably. 
10 cops that showed up with like riot squad gear on with like shields and all this shit. And we're thinking, holy fuck, man, they're fixing to fuck us up, you know? But the thing was, he pulled out the gun and they were actually there to protect us. And they took us to our hotel room the next morning. Uh, and I'll never forget this. And what made me, uh, start on that was that I, I, I walked out from the, uh, what'd you call the hotel? What's the hotel? Dahlia. Dahlia. Yeah, Dahlia. Dahlia. I walked out from the Dahlia on that little side <laughs> street right there. And I got on the phone and I called Dutch and I said, Hey Dutch, man, what should I do? And he said, Wolfie, I ain't got your back, man. He said, you put icy hot in his eyes. I said, all right, man, I'll see you. Boom. And I, I, I took a, a taxi to the, uh, to the airport and I flew home and you know, I'm sure you can attest to this. But everybody else has that. Uh, that guy came to the hotel room after I was gone and they were going to, I don't know, him and his dad were going to do something to me. Yeah, he come with the dad. He always, he always, he was, he was with his dad all the time. Yeah. Wow. And that's crazy, because what if I'd have been how close they had done to me? Bankrupt? Yeah, how close How close was it, Salio? <laughs> how close was Wolfie to really getting bad hurt? Well, like I said, like I said to you, I was I was in Japan by that time. Right. But when I arrived, the, the only thing, that, the, the story that I hear was that he put Ben Gay on, on his eyes and beat the head out of him. And after that, they left, you know. So when I arrived, they already gone. You know, yeah, right? And I, 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 I was like, a, "No, are you kidding me?" You know, he fucking put ice, icy hot, and beat the hell out of him. I mean, fuck him up. I said, "Holy shit!" I said, "Why?" And I hear because Armandito don't want to sell or something like that. You know, I said, "Well, I don't." Know. But man, I remember that story. Yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. Everybody, but, it's funny. All, all the American guys that come back from Puerto Rico tell that story. They're like, "We'll see. You're ridiculous." And then what's funny is that uh, Luke especially would call me every, I don't know, like once a year. Hey, man, come on back, man. It's okay. I'm like, fuck you. I'm coming back. <laughs> You're not going to get me there, motherfucker. Hell no. Wow. I don't even want to come on vacation. <laughs> no, Armandito, Armandito, Armandito is living in Florida somewhere in Orlando. I don't know Tampa. Oh, well, getting closer. I lived there a year ago. He was way closer to me than he was in Puerto Rico. That's funny. He's coming man. up on you, Wolfie. What are you He's getting closer. I got to get into this one, though, because here's the thing. We've heard Wolfie's side. We've talked to Savio. We've talked to a few different guys, and Wolfie has talked about the Armadito story. Now, what I want to hear from you, Jamie, is the middle time. So, basically, Wolfie dips, right? And then, hell, he leaves me fucking for the wolves, man. He leaves me for dead. <laughs> yeah, and you're there, and th th what happens at that point? Tell us about that. At that point, I say to Mike Anthony, what the fuck, man? He goes, bro, man, if he lost his mind, fucking, they kill people here. I'm like, I know. And the <laughs> next morning, about 6 o'clock, this my day, some beating on my fucking hotel door, bro. And I open up the door, and they're standing there, and they say, we come to kill the wolfie. <laughs> that is his exact words to me was, I come to kill the wolfie. And I oh, said, man. look, bro, Whoopi's gone, man. He's fucking Vaminos, bro, back to fucking America. And he's like, <laughs> I asked Amigo, he said, you fight with honor. He said, you protect your partner. But he put something in my eye. And I said, bro, I don't know nothing about none of that, dog. I just know that he ain't here. And they came in, they went through all the fucking rooms, and they could see it was just me. And, and they said, 
nothing else. They just fucking left and shut the door, and I was oh, my God. It's, but I tell you, the, 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 the scariest moment of that whole thing was the night before when that fucking riot team came in. I was like, oh, no, I'm yeah. not going to fucking jail and on this fucking island. Right. So me and Whoopi right. run through the back and try to climb out the back window and shit. <laughs> and they're like, nah, bro, we're here. Well, no, 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 let me go. We're here to protect you. I'm like, yeah, y'all protected old Brody, too, didn't you? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> exactly. Y'all protecting me like that. And I was that that was the scariest part. Me and Whoopi's in the ring again for the second show and then motherfuckers come come in that riot gear and they stand along the uh, by the dressing room door and I'm like, Oh no, man, this is not gonna end well. But I ain't going to prison on this island. It ain't happening. That's right. my memory is that the, no, no i don't want to say the biggest memory but the funniest part of it if there is a funny part is that no yes funny like nail now because we're back here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dressing room and the and and we see all we go we go to the dressing room and you're trying to get out the back window like you said and it's like those school <laughs> windows the ones that bend inward and there's no way you can get out of them or whatever oh, there's no and way to get out i'm trying there. to break the fucking thing off man <laughs> Right. Right. Then you do the, the serial killer hide where you're you the serial killers after you and you go in the stall, <laughs> pull your feet up Beside, behind the, the toilet. toilet. Yeah, under the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. is fixing to kick the door in and kill you. Oh hey, brother, and listen, I, I, let me tell you that the very next show, right? I go back, to, we go, me and Mike Anthony go to the next show, and it's just me working with Mike now because his partner's left and my partner's obviously gone now. And that fucking invader, he's going to call me and, me and Mike. He's going to me go. Hey, can I talk to you, man? I said, oh, man. Mike, man, I'm not going. He's like, yeah, man, come on. I'm like, fuck, no, I'm not going to talk to this dude like that. And this is, so we walk in the office. I said, you're going to me. So me and Mike go in the office. And look, he starts crying and shit and telling me about, well, you know, with Frank and his son being killed and all. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck, where are we going with this shit, man? Right. You know, right. it was crazy, man. I was like, oh, no. And. And and then he, he we we sat and drank drinks and he fucking told us stories about it and he started crying. I was like, Oh my god, what is fixing to happen here? This fucking island, nobody cares. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And nobody cares. This dude's the fucking godfather. I'm I'm sitting in fucking the the supreme being's fucking room and I'm like, Oh, this is not a good thing. He's like, Your partner, he's crazy, man. You know, people die here and then I'm like, Yeah, I know, brother. I, I heard the story before. I mean, what do you say to this fucking God, he's crying right. on me and shit, and I was like, "Yeah, he's just crazy, man. I don't know, I don't know, man." And I said, "The motherfucker should have sold." I guess I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> should have sold, by God. Yeah, yeah I, I, I was like, "What the fuck?" And then, and then Dutch, Dutch, Dutch for a rib two times puts on the TV. Whoopie D returns. Whoopie D returns. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you know, single match, and he's like, "I just did that just for fun." I'm like, "Fuck you, man." The police report to show up and hey look it says jc ice on these shorts motherfucker there's a classic story that i can tell you it's a little bit a little this bit long but i think this is a good way to end the show uh, yeah this will be it it. kind of yep. kind of 1995 and to to explain what i said about we were over we were over to this day yeah i don't know how we probably aren't still in jail after this so we have a match at, in, it's in Jackson, Tennessee. It's at a bar. Okay. okay. Now there's a parking lot and across the parking lot there is a titty bar that had just recently been shut down. 
that's where we dressed at. So you go in there, everybody hung out in there, walk across the parking lot, go into the bar, have your match. Me and Jamie are supposed to wrestle Tommy and Doug that night. So we get there and we're in this abandoned, recently abandoned titty bar. And we look in the coolers behind the bar and there's still beer in them. So I can uh, probably not even have to say that we started drinking beer that was in the coolers. Yeah. And maybe doing a few other things that somebody brought with them. Right. So by the time we get to the ring, I'll be honest with you. I don't even remember the match. Yeah. But I've had that happen before. And then for me, it's like riding a bicycle. It might not have been my greatest, but I guarantee it it, it, it worked. So sure. at any rate, some of this, what I'm telling you, I do not remember. The reason I know it is because the next day I had to go back to the bar and apologize to the staff and everything. So we have our match. Well, me and Jamie had ridden there with some girl that, that he was messing with or whatever in her car. Okay. So this is a Friday night. We got to be at TV at eight thirty in the morning. So we stay. And after the matches, we stay, you know, everything's on the house. And they said that me and Jamie probably took two shots of everything on their shelf. Plus drinking <laughs> some beer and whatever else. <laughs> So somewhere in the night there, it gets rowdy enough to where the bar is closed. Pretty much most of the patrons are gone, except for people that we wanted to stay with us. And let's just say there was some uh, public uh, sexual activity going on. I mean, it was it was mm-hmm. a mess. Somewhere right. in there, uh, Jamie thinks that I'm hitting on the girl that he's with. And, and and I must say this too. This is this would not be the first time this happened with me and Jamie. Uh, so anyway, I think I followed him into the bathroom. He went to the bathroom. Well, we get in a fight. And when the bouncers came in, I had Jamie by the head, like slamming the back of his head into the walls back and <laughs> forth. Like the movies where they, you know, change and go to the next wall. Right. And then I grabbed the plunger, the toilet plunger, and it was wooden. And when they walked in, I was beating him over the head with it, and it had broken. So I was just beating him with the stick on top of the head. And Jamie's <laughs> head was fucked up. He was bleeding everywhere. There was blood on the walls, everything. And so I do. at this point, I remember them, you know, one grabbing me by each arm, pulling me backwards, me kicking at him. So needless to say, they throw us out. And, and lock the door. Well, so here we are standing outside this bar. However it happened, we weren't mad at each other anymore because we realized that the keys to the car were were locked in the bar. So we're beating on this door. Jamie's bleeding everywhere. We got this girl, if you can imagine that scene. <laughs> so sure. yeah. they, they, they give us the keys, but we decide we're hungry. Still in this state, and, you know, I think Jamie might have tried to clean up a little bit. But we went across the interstate over to the Waffle House. Well, you know how Jamie is, and I'm not going to say any more other than our waitress was not white. Mm-hmm. They didn't have something that he wanted. He threw a fucking fit. We get kicked out of there. So then we decide, and now Jackson is 80 miles from Memphis, okay? So we got to get to a hotel. By this point, it's fucking 3 o'clock in the morning. 
we got to be there at 830 and we're fucking slammed. So we go over to the Exxon buy a 12 pack. Start heading back to Memphis. And I've got the 12 pack at my feet. The girl's in the back. Danny's driving. I'm watching Jamie drive as best I can. And he, and, and like I said, now the interstate is very empty at that time of the night, of course. Mm-hmm. He is swerving from one lane to the other and back. I mean, bad, 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 bad. And so I Man. said, Jamie, and we had done this before. Like if he needed to reach for something in the back, or whatever, you know how you just reach over from the, from the passenger seat and grab the wheel. Yeah. So I said, Jamie, you're fucking up, dude. I said, we're going to get pulled over. I said, let me have the fucking wheel. So I grabbed the wheel and I put one hand over one eye. so I could squint to be able to see not double. Cause I was seeing double. Right. Yeah. So little did I know when I grabbed the wheel, Jamie kept his foot on the gas and fucking went to sleep. Oh man. Passed out. And I didn't know that because I'm not looking oh, at him. Man. I was trying to the road. Yeah. So <laughs> then I realized that I can't even fucking do it. I'm like, I, there's no way I can drive like this fucking 70 more miles to fucking, you know, how many are far down the road we were. Right. To Memphis. So I let go of the wheel and I said, brother, I can't do it. You're going to have to do it. Now, keep in mind, he's asleep right now. And so I lean over and put my head against the, the, the window and I go to sleep. So he's got his foot on the gas. We're both in the front seat asleep. Yeah. I guess the girls are sleeping back too. So next thing I know, mm-hmm. damn, we both fucking hit the fucking windshield. Fucking Jamie wakes up, grabs the fucking wheel, and we skid off into the median. Well, mm. thank God, what we hit was something traveling in our direction. It was another car. We hit him in the ass end. So I start panicking. I'm like, holy fuck, we're going to jail. We're going to jail, you know. And so the beer that's in, in the front seat with me, I open the pack up, and now we're in the median. And I start humming these motherfuckers, throwing them, throwing them. I'm trying yeah, yeah. to get across the interstate into the woods over there. Right. I was so screwed up that I threw the beer all around the car. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so then, and, and, and brother, I'm telling you, I know this sounds outrageous, and people listening may sound like, no fucking way. But I'm No, we believe God's it. Story. And this is, this is a testament to how over we were. So anyway... Uh, here comes a cop, uh, state trooper, black guy. Uh, he puts us in the back of the car. Well, he's letting Jamie get in and out. And what Jamie's doing is he's going up to these, we hit these three old ladies, right? Yeah. And he is talking that shit. And yeah. he convinces ladies not to let the ambulance come that it would be cheaper on their insurance if they just go to the doctor in the morning because they weren't really hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So no ambulance shows up. No other cops show up. Okay. We're in the back of the car. You know, we are reeking of alcohol. You know, we are. Right. And this cop says, he says, you guys been drinking tonight? No, sir. (laughs) He wrote something down. He said, this beer that's all around y'all's car, does that belong to y'all? No, sir. <laughs> yeah. We just crashed it. We crashed into a 12-pack. Uh, so he wrote something else down. The next thing I know, Jimmy, this is the crazy part. The tow truck shows up. 
because the car wouldn't start. Jamie tried to start as soon as we wrecked and take off. Thank God that didn't yeah. probably wouldn't work. But right. they put the car on the tow truck. Them ladies are gone, okay? Them ladies drove away. No ambulance, no money. Mm-hmm. Just that one cop is there. They don't right. have dash cams back, none of that shit. So they put the car on the tow truck. Me and Jamie and the girl get in the front seat with the tow truck driver. He drives us to Memphis, drops the car and us at the Motel 6. We wake up the next morning and just look at each other like, what in the fuck? How are we not under the jail right now? (laughs) And so when we get to TV, you know, the bar had already called, you know, telling on us and everything. And I try to say I had to go back and apologize. But so the story of the reason we got let go is because that, because some of the old timers, you know, we're telling them what happened and blah, blah, blah. Like Tommy and then they're, they're like, was it a black state trooper? So, yeah. So he had a reputation for letting the boys go. Um, I forget. They had a nickname for him. I, I can't remember what it was. Something like Smokey Bear or something. I don't know. Sure. But at yeah. any rate. That is how the story concludes. We did not go to jail, never heard nothing else about it, and I went and apologized, and end of story. Back then, you put heat on us. You guys were over, see? They fed you the big guys like Gordy, Buddy Landell. They fed you guys until we come in, and then, you know, you're there. We put you over in the ring, but then right when the match was over, we beat the living piss out of y'all, and... uh, you, you did know, that. See what I'm saying? We beat the piss out of y'all. Let you land. People hitting the ring, and we're beating the piss out of them too. The guys yeah. in the back. We worked the medics. The and, and I don't. I'm not talking about a wrestling thing. I'm talking about the paramedics at the gardens. You guys bloodied us. You, Mark Curtis, and and Robert bloodied yeah. me, Jamie, and Randy so badly that the the EMTs came to the ring, and we sold. We kayfabe. We yes. Oh, it's okay. We sold like we were fucking dying, and they treated us as if we were fucking dying. And oh yes, that type of shit right there is what puts asses in the seat. Man, we're on here and we're talking about such a great situation. What such a great business we have if it's treated right, and and if you have people that know what they're doing. And Ricky, man, we had so much fun. We were serious out there, but we also had fun. Do you remember the time that Jamie had been out, I guess, all night, and then y'all were getting the heat on him, and he had to go up under the ring and throw up? Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, you damn right. Look here. I, and I, he, I, I'm, I'm standing over the top of him. I, said, I looked at him. I said, Jamie, I'm 47 years old. I ain't been to bed in 35 fucking years. Get your ass up. <laughs> Robert comes oh. over. I'm on the apron. Robert comes over to me and, like, swings me. But as he does, he said, your fucking pussy partner's under the ring throwing up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, and my wife, Andrea, was with us. You know, she traveled with us. We stuck her in there. Hey, I, and she's over there. She's throwing up on the other side, you know, because she got a weak stomach. I'm just, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but you know what? He crawled his little ass back in that ring and went back to work, didn't he? He sure did. He sure did. Yeah, I'm right, he did. Uh, and, and, uh, I, do you remember this one? Me and Jamie, this was Louisville again, and uh, me and him before the show had went to Kentucky Kingdom at the water park and got drunk. <laughs> and then we showed up. We're working you guys. Y'all in yeah. the hills. We're the baby faces. 
and Jimmy, they kept calling spots for us, you know, baby face spots that would end and say arm drag. I'd go to arm drag when they'd pull their arm away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They call fucking something that ends with a drop kick. I go to drop kick and they move out the way. So they're yeah. fucking, hey, I I remember. looking like fucking idiots out there because Mickey yeah. and Robert are just fucking with us because we're drunk. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. But we had a good time. But but yeah. it was but you but you see, Whoopi, at that time in our business, nobody knew but us. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it was really cool. Y'all had uh, Randy Hales with y'all. We had Mark Curtis with us, and uh, you know he's a little bitty mean ass little referee. <laughs> and uh, it was so cool, man. Uh, he'd screw y'all, and here come Randy Hales, and see everything, Whoopi. Made sense. Yeah. Okay. And every week yeah. got bigger. We kept doing more and adding more people and da 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 da. You know, it just got better and better and better. And, uh, <laughs> the money that the that the towns were making, the gate don't lie. The shit was working. And uh, oh, yeah, and you're right. You know, and it's to be in a situation. Uh, you know, when when you keep a territory afloat, and you got to understand, this is after Dundee's gone. This is after. Lawler's gone. Yeah, I, I think all they were gone. Yeah, Lawler definitely on both. Yeah, they went to WWF, didn't they? Yeah. Yes, and it was just us. And see, when you keep a territory afloat like that, yeah. that's accomplishing a lot. Hell yeah. Uh, Chris, the funniest thing, we're, I, there's no way we can get out of this without talking about the fucking car wreck. No. <laughs> Okay, so here's it's in the book. It. He, is it? Is it? Yeah, it's, a, it's in the book. That's awesome. Okay, I don't know what your take on it was, but here's my take on it. <laughs> we're going, we're going down I forty from Memphis, headed to Nashville, and Chris was driving. Top was in the uh, passenger seat. I think I'm behind Chris, and Jamie is next to me, and we're driving. What was he driving? Like a big giant Malibu or something? Todd had a 77 shit brown Malibu. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So there's the picture. There's the pictures. So we're going down the road, and fucking Chris is driving. And Chris, I love you, but you're not the best driver ever. But Chris, we're talking about something. When you got PG-13 in the back seat distracting you. <laughs> okay. So Chris... Chris turns around and he's legitimately like looking in the back seat, talking to me and Jamie. Next thing I know, we are in the okay. You got the passing lane, you got the driving lanes on the on the right there. We are in the right lane. I mean, fucking ten feet from a semi truck, which was going like. 40 miles an hour. Oh, if Lord. you say so. <laughs> he was. He wasn't moving. Okay. All right, Chris. All right. <laughs> so, Chris has turned around legitimately with his arm on the... And this is bench seats in the front, and you know, big car. Chris has turned around with his arm on the, on the back seat there, you know, how you would turn around in a bench seat, and he's talking to me and Jamie, and we're legitimately, like I said, 10 feet from this fucking semi, and me and Jamie go, Chris, and we point forward. <laughs> 
And he looks forward and sees that we're about to ram this truck in the back end. Chris jerks the wheel to the left, and, and you got to understand this big boat of a car we were driving. He jerks it to the left, and then he jerks it back to the right. And it, it, okay, let me throw this in there. It had snowed, I think, what, Chris, the day before? Something like that. There was like a, just a thin patch <laughs> of snow in the median. Grass. <laughs> and so Chris jerks it back to the right. And the only way I can describe this in my memory is that it was like a cartoon because we were we were sliding sideways next to this uh, semi. When he jerked it back the other way, we were legitimately sideways uh, in the passing lane, and this truck was in the, the slow lane, and so we're sideways. The way I can describe it as a cartoon character would be that I saw Chris and Todd in the front seat look back at me and Jamie, and I could see, you know that little thing in your throat? What's that little thing called? The uvula? Anyway. <laughs> well, if you hadn't asked me, I could have told you. Anyway, both <laughs> of their mouths were wide open, and I saw both of those things jiggling as they both went, and me and Jamie were going, holy fuck, holy fuck. And we slid backwards into the fucking median. And we thought we were going to go into oncoming traffic. This was on I-40, so you got two lanes. So we we slid into the median, thought, and we were backwards at this point, thought we were going to go into oncoming traffic on the other side of I-40. But thank God, for whatever reason... It stopped us in the median. You remember that, Chris? And we're facing back towards Memphis. Absolutely. <laughs> so then, all of a sudden, because we had just passed an overpass, and we're like, "Holy fuck, we're fucked!" And and we weren't we weren't doing any drugs or doing any drinking or anything like that. Suddenly, this state trooper from the underpass that we just fucking had a mess in pulls down. Pulls down to where we are. The cop comes over, and Chris, remind me on this because I remember what I thought he said. And who did he get out of the car? Was he? It was either you or Todd. I'm thinking it was Todd because didn't okay. Todd make me switch places with him? I don't remember that. Or he was going to, and then the cop accused us of switching places. Yeah. Here's what I remember is I rolled the window down just a little bit. Me and Jamie, like I said, we're in the back seat. And I remember the cop saying, are y'all on drugs? <laughs> and, and, and somebody said no or something like that. And I looked to Jamie. He said, he said something like, are y'all blowing snow up my ass? And I looked to Jamie and I said, the cop just said, they're blowing snow up his ass. <laughs> and, and I don't remember, but he he let us he let us go. I mean, that was the funny part. But he told us that he said he was going to go finish up what he was doing. He told us to stay right there. Yeah. And and then like an amount of time it went by, and Todd said, "Fuck it, let's just go." <laughs> so we took off. Yeah, that's so funny, man. That's so funny. <laughs> and I don't doubt that. And there's parts of my 
stuff that I don't remember, but I do remember I had the window cracked and I looked at Jamie and I said, he just told him he's blowing. <laughs> he's blowing I remember that part. <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm blowing snow up your ass. But what he really said was, stop blowing smoke up my asses and stop lying to me. But I thought he said, stop <laughs> blowing snow up my ass. <laughs> I wish I remember that part. <laughs> that was oh, funny stuff, great. man. But I swear to God, I, all I remember about that is we were legitimately sideways on the road next to a semi, and y'all were looking back, and I swear I saw that little thing in y'all's throat dangling and wiggling and shit. That's what I remember, man, like Scooby-Doo or some shit. I, I can remember, I think I said in there, and the way I've told the story before is that uh, as we were hitting that median that y'all are screaming like you're on a fucking roller coaster ride or something. Like y'all were, y'all were enjoying it. It was a roller I thought we were dying. <laughs> yeah. It's lucky we didn't, man. Tell us this story about you and Mr. Dundee having a little backstage conversation here. <laughs> yeah, so the deal was Bill was, and to put it, only way I know to say it was very jealous of the push we were getting. Bill tried to block us from even getting a job at USWA. Um, it's strange that he would try to block his own kid, but, the, you know, uh, wrestlers and their kids sometimes have strange relationships. Uh, but anyway, as we start getting that push and everything, you know, He's knocking us to the office. He's doing this. He's doing that. But yet, on his gimmick table, and you know, Bill's one of them old school guys. He's there at six o'clock with everything out there before the doors open. You know, making his money on his gimmicks. And yeah, one picture he's got is one of myself, Jamie, and him all standing in the ring together. So he's selling this picture. I don't remember. They're you know the five by sevens or four by sixes or whatever they were uh, that everybody sold. Um, you know, for a little extra to get the three of us together. So that's kind of hurting. Why would somebody want to buy one individual Bill Dundee picture and one individual PG-13 picture when they can get one picture of all of us, you know, for a, for a little together. bit less? So exactly. I went to Jamie. I said, you know what, Jamie? I said, this is bullshit, man. I said, he's cutting in on our money. I said, and then, you know, uh, beyond that, he's knocking us to the office every freaking week. I said, he needs to give us some money out of that. Jamie said, man, that's my dad, man. I can't say nothing, man. I can't say nothing to him. You say something to him. I said, fine. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I forget. It was a spot show. I believe it was a Buddy Wayne show, like on a Friday night or something. And um, I think it was in Mississippi or something like that. And so Bill is in the dressing room, very small little high school gym in a small town and he's laying down he's already dressed he's, he's laying down on a on a bench and uh so i walk in there and i'm trying not to do this in front of the boys right and so i said hey bill i said uh can i have a word with you can you step out here you know i want to get out of the dress room and get into the hallway there it was just me and him and uh he said you got something to say to me mate you say it right here and uh, I don't wasn't the greatest build on D impression, but um, it'll work. So he said, I said, I said, okay, Bill. I said, I'm trying to do this, you know, professionally. And I said, I think it's bullshit, Bill, that, you know, you're knocking us, blah, 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 blah. You got this picture out here. I said, I want some money off that picture. I said, you owe it to us. Because, uh, you know, just what I explained to you about the, the reason, you know, people would buy that one instead of two individuals. Right. Yeah. And uh, he got the Malvin. And then I got to Malvin, and I don't remember what words were said, but the, the final thing was, 
he he started to set up on the bench and i said okay bill then i kind of put my hands out to the side you know and i said well what the fuck's up then you know fighting words what the fuck's up i mean let's go yeah and uh he said, you want to know what's up? I'll show you what's up. And he fucking reaches into his boot and he pulls out his fucking knife. About a 12-inch fucking knife. Oh, my <laughs> God. So <laughs> I took a step backwards, obviously. And uh, he stands up with the knife in his hand and kind of starts coming at me. Well, uh, thankfully, <laughs> Randy Hales and uh, Doug Gilbert were there. And Doug grabbed a... Like I said, this was like a high school. So you remember, I think it was a pr- overhead projector. You remember how they had them on those little carts that they'd wheel into the classroom or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. There's there's one of those carts, and I, like I said, I believe it was an overhead projector that was on top of it. So Doug takes that thing and just pushes it and kind of gets in between us and puts the puts the cart and the projector like in between us so that you know creates a barrier where Bill can't come yeah. stab my guts out of and, uh, and that was the end of that. They ended up. Uh, Bill had to leave right then. Randy fired him right there on the spot, and uh, you know he left and whatnot. But me and Bill, uh, we'll talk more about this uh, of him coming back because, like I said, they fired him right there. Now he did end up coming back, and Lawler and um, Randy both came to me and said, Hey, we we want to do this angle. Of course they wanted to, you know, capitalize off the shoot incident in the in the dressing room and uh have you and Bill work an angle at first and I was like, fuck no. But then I got to that. Might be some money, you know what I mean? And uh yeah. so we ended up doing it with me and Bill over that. Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope-ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey folks, this is Wolfie D here. And if you are looking to buy or sell a home in Tennessee or Southern Kentucky, you're going to want to call my buddy, the rock star realtor, Benji Bowie. And you say, Wolfie, how do I get in touch with this rock star? Well, you can call him directly at 615-390-8216. You can go to his website, BowieHomes.com. That's B-U-I-E Homes.com. Or you can email him at BenBowie34 at gmail.com. When you need a home, you need the Rockstar Realtor. Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South, and I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little 
local farmer, John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at stevebowtiebryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. In Central City, this is a, a wild story. Somebody's almost killed me. Uh, he, the finish of the match, I think the guy's name was Kentucky Trapper, and I was still Airwolf. And the, the finish of the match was uh, I have I got somebody pinned or something, like a Pat O'Connor roll-up or something like that. And brother runs down, and he's supposed to powder me. And uh, I don't remember if there was a move after, but, you know, one, two, three. Uh, so this guy comes down and he's got, and, and he's doing a run in. So why he would have it stored. You remember those little black, uh, film that you would put, uh, camera film in those little bitty cases with the, with the gray lid on them that popped off. Yeah. 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 Okay. So baby powder and that's right. Huh? And he does the run in, he slides in and I'm, I'm blowed up. I didn't work the whole match. And instead of taking the top off, dumping the powder in his hand and throwing it at me, he pops the top off and like throws it from the can the little container, you know, never takes it out of the container. Throws so basically a container shaped wad of, of baby powder is projected <laughs> through the air, you know, never fans out or anything and as he does that I'm, like I said I'm winded and I was taking a, a, a an inhale this motherfucking <laughs> clog, clog of, of baby powder went in oh my, my throat god. <laughs> oh my god and you talk about not being able to fucking breathe and I seriously oh it, it suffocated me I went down and thank god I was able to throw up and, and it cleared my my airway, and then you know one two three or whatever. But literally, I thought I was gonna die. I mean, it was it was real oh quick. Oh I couldn't breathe. And you you think of like a you know like a fire extinguisher putting out a fire is kind of what baby powder is gonna do to your fucking throat. Right. <laughs> right. Large there, you know what I'm saying? Oh. So yeah, dude. that's that's a beaver dam story. Well, like I said, that was Central City, but it was the same. They weren't too far from each other, and it was the same guy running the shows. Yeah, that's grumpy, God, dude. I can just imagine you're like, "Am I dying now? Is it it?" Yeah, I mean, you yeah. had so many... the way I'm going. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Oh, baby powder. And you know what? I remember some other things maybe being stored in those type canisters. So yeah, you know, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway yeah. maybe this. I remember uh, this was one of my best memories of you. I remember sitting in your apartment, and it was me, you, Tracy, and Hop, uh, and you said, Ponda, let me show you this videotape. And you put this videotape in, and I can't remember who threw it. I know that was uh, one of the Edcocks, but they threw it. <laughs> they went to throw powder in your face. But they sweated, so the powder clumped up into a ball, yes. and I watched that ball leave their head and slide right down into your throat and damn near kill you because you couldn't breathe. It's funny that you say that because, but Jimmy, what episode? That was like two episodes ago or something we were talking about that? Yeah. Yeah, you exactly. <laughs> you told that story. Yeah, because it was Kentucky Trapper. 
that probably rings a bell with you. And when yeah, he it does. Spring, he had the powder in one of those uh, black <laughs> film capsules, and instead of taking it out and pouring it into his hand and then throwing it, he threw it from the capsule, which left it in a lump. And I was blown up, and I think I had the guy like in a uh, a death lock or something. And I was blown up, and I was like 15. <laughs> The fucking pump went down my throat. Almost, almost died. I mean, I could not breathe. If you can imagine baby powder in your throat when you up, and then all of a sudden, the only thing that saved me was that I threw up. I threw up in the ring, and it, it, you know, then the finish or whatever. But yeah, that's funny that you say that because we just talked about that. Like what, Jimmy? Two weeks ago. Yeah, it was literally two episodes ago because I remember saying, I remember keeping other kind of gimmicks and those things, and it's a good thing that it wasn't another gimmick. <laughs> yeah. The scariest moment for you in wrestling, was there a moment that was like, holy crap? Uh, I think we talked about this too. There was a time when I was like 16, and it was in Kentucky, and the finish was, I got this dude, I think in a sharpshooter, a Boston Crab, something like that, and this dude runs out, and he's supposed to throw powder in my face and blind me and whatever, and he put it in a photo, one of those old black photo things he put film in. He put the powder in there, and instead of yeah. opening and putting it into his hand and throwing it and make it spread everywhere, he... uh Opened the top and threw it from the oh, from the uh, container, and I was blowed up. I was blowed up, and uh, when he threw it, I was inhaling, and so baby powder in a big chunk went down my throat. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't breathe. I really oh could not. Breathe. It's gonna die, and uh, I threw up in the ring to get it out. That's the only way I could uh, breathe was to throw up. So, yeah, that was pretty scary. Yeah, that's frightening, dude. I mean, it's hilarious to think about. um, But, oh, my God. But it's like, why is he so dumb that he wouldn't just. But but that's the thing, man. Some of these guys, even back then, man, this was like, this was probably like 1990, maybe 91. But even back then, that's when the business was changing and nobody got trained right. It's like, right. some bitch did not know to dump it in his hand and throw it to get the appearance of all the, you know, spread of the whiteness and all oh, it went in his eyes, blah, blah, blah. No, this motherfucker just chucked it in my throat. <laughs> oh, my God. Seriously. Come on, man. Oh God. Yeah, yeah, seriously dumb. I mean, you know, because the cloud, the, putting it in your hand and spreading it, it's going to make it look like there's so much more exactly. instead of this flying white hey, ball. See, that is the theatrical effect of the powder gimmick that yeah. doesn't exist. Anymore, but that was, you know, back then you threw powder in somebody's eyes. Oh, shit. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the theatrical effect of the powder, it needs to go everywhere so you can fucking grab your eyes and sell and back reel and all that kind of stuff. This motherfucker just threw it down my throat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. But dear God, that is so funny. I hear all the time now people still ask me, man, who are the two white rappers? Where did they go? What happened? I'm like, Jamie and Wolfie. And I was like, they're the best workers of the bunch. You guys... The word special keeps coming in my head, and I'm just yeah. going to say it. You guys were special, yeah. uh, and that's that character that connects. 
think about this. You have two guys who are in the world of wrestling undersized, but when you got in the ring, no one ever saw you as undersized. Yeah. You worked bigger than what you were, and you were bigger stars than anyone ever imagined. And it was, it, it's like, I, I go back to that word special. You guys had that special thing that connected to the people. I like just on the entrance there. Yeah. You were no different than than any other greats walking down to the ring. And then you went in the ring, and then you showed everybody you could hang with anybody. So yeah. for me, I love the whole PG-13 vibe, character. I, I think you two guys were – it felt like it felt like you two could read each other's minds because you had been in there so many times together. Yeah, absolutely. We could look at each other and know what spot we were going to do, even if it wasn't uh, – <laughs> And like you don't get that anymore. You don't get that because that comes from guys being together for years. That's yeah. Ricky and Robert level connection. That's, Absolutely, you know, that God, God, God bless him. Midnight Express level connection. Yeah. you yeah. know, the Fantastics, the Freebirds. PG thirteen is right there. Oh man, thank you, thank you, Dilo. Here's a question I never asked of you. Yeah, and it just it just popped on me right now. How did that play when you guys went home? What do you mean in your in your real lives? Like, did anyone? from Memphis or anything or wherever you're living at the time, be like, dude, why y'all doing that? Was that ever after no, you? It never came up, man. It never came up. They just, I'll tell you the story, D'Lo, is it's funny that, okay, so uh, Cornette was the one that got us that uh, deal. Uh-huh. Uh, and they sent us money to go get, uh, here, go buy these jackets, go buy these hats, gold teeth, uh, you know, rings, whatever. And I, they told me what they wanted me to say and blah, 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 and I wrote the rap. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you this, and this is this is so funny, and I've talked about it on this show before. Uh, I wrote the rap. We went up there to uh, the Titans Towers with uh, Jim Johnson. Yep. and uh, A musical genius, by the way. Absolutely, man. He was great. He was great. Musical genius. Thanks. Here was the thing. He told me, you know, what do you want me to say or whatever, and I wrote it. And uh, we went up there, we recorded it. And then uh, 96 Survivor Series, uh, Vince is uh, standing at the end of the ramp, and he wants to see his new thing or whatever. And uh, Jim Johnson had given us a uh, cassette tape. You know, when we came up there and recorded it, he gave us a uh, cassette tape. And me and Jamie, you know, it was kind of like Run DMC. We pitched it back and forth, you know, with the lyrics and whatnot. And uh, so it was, we are the nation of domination. Dana Link, Dana Link, And then it was supposed to go with the lyrics. <laughs> well, Vince is standing down at the bottom of the ramp, and it was, we are the nation of domination, doom. And we start singing, and then all of a sudden, we are the nation, it kicks in again. And we're like, oh, shit, that's not how it's supposed to go. You know, it's supposed to be, you know, a few more minutes before it kicks in. And so Vince was like, what the fuck, what the fuck? So we had to, uh, on the fly, uh, fix it. And you know, uh, D'Lo, that uh, Jamie is not the most uh, lyrically inclined person in the world, so I had to fix it right there in front of Vince, and that's kind of a funny story. <laughs> How long did it take you to write the Nation rap? A uh, couple of days, probably. A couple of days. See, now this is where I get 
I get interested. Where did the I get you were given the idea of what to say, but where did the words come from? Like, how did you marry that? Because I love the creative. I can't write a rap, but I love the creative genius behind it. Yeah. So where uh, where did where did those words come from? Man, honestly, uh, they just told me this is kind of what you uh, need to say or whatever. And my thing was because I knew they weren't going to put our name and you know, I feel like this is special. I put my name and Jamie's name in the thing. In the song. Yeah. JC ice and Wolfie D. You know what I mean? And they did not, they were not, Hey, say this or whatever, but I made sure to put that in there. So yeah, and then here's the other thing. That's the true artist there is to to to, to sign your work, and that was yeah, the way of signing exactly. your work. But the thing is, here here's the other thing. I'll tell you on this, and I've said this on a couple of other of my shows. Uh, they put okay, so in that time period, there was the Stone Cold. You know, they got the WWE, the music or whatever. Mm-hmm. Nation music uh, was on that overseas they had our voices in it on the U S shit. They didn't. So in like, I don't know, 1998 or something, I figured this out. And so, yeah, you can't go, you know, sue Vince or whatever, but yeah, they did it on purpose. They took our voices out in the U S shit. And then uh, in the overseas version, they had our, our voices in it, so whatever. I was always mad that I never got a um, a verse because you know, you know, Farouk had a verse and Crush had a verse and Sabu had a verse, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, golly, can D'Lo get a verse in this? I don't know what you'd say, but I wish D'Lo would get a verse in this. <laughs> I would have put you in, man. I absolutely put you in. I swear, man, and, and and I swear when we showed up, I thought, you know, because we knew you from, uh, you know, Smoky Mountain or whatever. Did you know those other guys? You you knew uh, Clarence, I guess. No, I, Did you know the no, other guy, Clarence? Clarence, that was all met in wrestling. Clarence and all his boys were all met there because Clarence was just a fan who somehow worked his way in. To getting that spot, so I had yeah. never met Clarence before. Um, now Clarence and I have subsequently become friends, and we're still friends to this day. Yeah, but before then, no, nope. That's funny, man. I mean, I you know, because we show up, and like I said, I think I said this earlier. It's just like I knew D'Lo, I, I knew you know me and Jamie whatever but I didn't know the other guys in suits so who was going to do this and who was going to do that and you know well, what if, I mean? you, if you if you really want to get a little deep all those guys in suits were Clarence Mason's fraternity brothers and he would really? find them in every whatever city we were in he'd find a local chapter of his fraternity and he would say I need four or five brothers and that's how it happened that's funny that's how he would get different nation members in each city that that raw was being taped in. When did it come to you that me and Jamie were probably like, oh, they're going to get rid of him? It never came before. It was after the fact. It was it was showed up at TV and well, Jamie Wolfie ain't here no more. Damn! <laughs> like I, I had no foreknowledge. Like it was kind of like I always thought because of your connections with Lawler, you guys would be okay. Yeah. Because you know wrestling, it's about connections, it's about people right. who, who help right. take care of you. 
Right. Um, I always thought because you connect with Lawler, you guys would be okay. Right. Uh, it was it was literally the TV I came into after you guys have been let go. It was all right, Jamie Wolfie aren't here anymore. We got to we got to pivot the nation this way. Yeah. And and then and the, do you, you know, remember I, that? Do you remember that where uh, it was right after WrestleMania? They made us do mm-hmm. the thing with the Road Warriors. And me and Jamie said, fuck it. And we told, uh, you know, the Road Warriors, I mean, which were good friends of ours. And we were like, fuck it. And they were like, yeah, we get it. So we ran outside and we packed our bags. <laughs> we were not going to do it. Do you remember that night? I I no, I don't remember that. Were you, were you supposed to get, like, run over by the Road Warriors? They're yeah, break yeah, you. yeah. You know what? Yeah, now, and we, we were like, fuck it. And that. so I we do remember that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they were going to steamroll you. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, and we went to the car, and uh, Jim uh, Ross and and Shawn Michaels chased us out to the car, and they're like, uh, hey, we'll give you this money. We'll do this. We'll do that. Come in here and do this and do that. And we're like, whatever, man. I know what y'all are doing. And it was a thing where uh, Candido – because at the same time we were working for WWE, ECW, and USWA, so like everybody was mad at us. You know what I mean? It was like weird. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of a funny thing, but whatever. Who hasn't I, done I, the I, road? I, I, I wasn't right? mad. I, I wasn't mad at you. I loved you guys, so it's all it's all good. Yeah, <laughs> we loved you too, man. The whole thing at Ian's show, because I feel like, I mean, you you got over there, and that's why I asked you about that, but you got over there. Um, So me and Jamie were there to work you and Ox Harley. And I specifically, and, you know, everybody remembers things differently or whatever, and we never had no problem with you, but it was the first time I met Ox or whatever. And we were working for WWE, and we were not supposed to uh, bleed at that point. I mean, we were there, and they kept telling everybody, no blade jobs, no blade jobs. Even if you work outlaw shows, no blade jobs. So it's... you know, the whole thing was their fans can bring their weapons and blah, 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 blah. And so I remember telling uh, both of you, I said, you know, hit me with, you know, chairs, stop signs, whatever. I'm fine with that. But just none of that dumb shit. And when I say dumb shit, you know what I mean. At this point, I do. <laughs> no, no stuff that could have been used as hypodermic needles or somebody else or something like that. And, Actually, uh, you know, I've told the story before, but uh, I, I thought it was Ox that brought it into the to the to play, but it was actually Jamie that brought it into play. It was Jamie. You're right. I'm yeah. getting ready to say that. Yeah. So, so Jamie brought it in, and and I didn't care. You know, hit me with it all you want. Hell, that's that was my job there. Uh, I didn't even see later that Jamie had hit Ox with it. But here's the thing, and and this is where I always wanted to tell you this, but I never had the chance, but now I do. Jamie did something to me where I was selling down. You know, he had already brought the uh, thumbtack bat. It was a thumbtack bat, which is uh, a plastic bat with tacks on on it. And uh, so I'm down on my hands and knees selling, but the IWA crowd, you know how bloodthirsty they was. They are pushing that thing in my hand, saying, Pondo, here's this. Use this. 
So please watch the videotape again, and you're going to see that I've got that thing out to the left side of me. Yeah. And the hit that I gave you was mostly my fist. That way you could get a hold of it and beat, beat us up with it. But I dropped it, and then Ox picked it up, and I believe he used it on you. Yeah. Am I am I thinking am I thinking this right so far? Because I dropped it, correct? When I hit you with it, I dropped the bat. I I mean, I, in my head, and, and and I have seen the video. I remember some kind of way it ends up in my hand, and I'd already been hit with it, and it it put a bunch because I blocked him with the front, and I and I had a bunch of holes in the back of my arm, and I hit with it, and then just had a frustration. Madness, I hit you with it. Yeah. I didn't care, though. I stood there and let you do it. And then I I think that pissed you off more that we wasn't selling for it, but that was kind of our thing. And then I remember you swung it at Ox's face. In my mind, and on the video, you'll see, I hit both of you, and I threw it down. I was like, in my mind, I was like, okay. Let's not fuck with this no more. You guys see I'm this off, so let's don't do this. And that's when Ox punched me. Like, she punched me. And I looked at him, and I said, is that all you got? He punched me again. And so, you know, that's when the whole thing started. And then Ian cleared the dressing room. And, 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 and then, yeah, I don't know why I even did that. But anyway... Then, you know, when we got back in the ring, that's when me and Ox shot with each other. Yeah. I was the only dumbass throwing work punches. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. I, I'll also tell you this part. So when uh, when Jamie got out of out of jail, he, uh, he did this shoot interview with uh, Jake Manning, and he starts telling a story about how I started attacking you from behind, and he come up and grabbed me by the throat and pulled me backwards. <laughs> and I went and I got the videotape. And while you and Ox are fighting, Jamie went and hit Ox with the uh, with yeah, the hubcap. I scooped him up by his neck and pulled him back. And I remember Jamie tapping me on my arms, going, "Pondo, we cool, we cool." And I let him go, and he went back after Ox. And then you guys really got in the ring. That's really the funniest part of it. Me and Ox were fucking shooting like hell, and uh, you guys were working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, man, I mean, what a, what a, it's, it's the wrestling business, man. It's hell yeah. Later on, I got booked with, uh, with uh, Joe Bailey at BBW. And uh, Ox was on the card, but you was not on the on the card. But somehow you got on the card, and uh, I was like, "You guys cool?" And he was like, "Oh fuck yeah, you know." And then uh, I knew everything was cool after that, you know. But cool now. Like said, it was all the wrestling business. Yeah, we're cool now. I talk to Ox every now and then, and he. he the funniest part is that Ox always says, "Whoopie D may be famous." <laughs> <laughs> on YouTube February he said Whoopi D might be famous so hell uh, yeah you know it was just a thing I slapped Jamie in the fucking locker room over there he and this was actually for Bert Prentice and him he 
we were all when you know I told you me and Jamie and Chris Michaels and the Midge and Gypsy and all them we all lived in the same apartment complex Bobby Eaton and uh, I don't know I had invited Jamie and his girl over for dinner my girl cooked it was like before let's let's eat before we go to the show and we cooked and all this and then motherfucker no showed and and it fucking pissed me off that he, you know, that we cooked for him and everything, and then he didn't fucking show up. And uh, so when I got to the building, he was sitting down, and uh, I started fucking just going off on him, going off on him. And he said something, and he was sitting in a chair, and I was standing up, and I just slapped him. I didn't punch him, I just slapped him. And yeah. he didn't do shit. Put his head down yeah. and started shaking. I think I actually slapped him again. Uh, <laughs> but it pissed me off, oh, man. <laughs> so... That's not the uh, man. Me and Jamie. This is going off topic of TNA real quick, but I know there's one story that we never talked about. Was the one where, like, and and this relates because me and Jamie have fought more than one time. And uh, right. the first time it happened though was in Memphis, and we were staying at this lady's uh, trailer, and we got into it, and we had never. There was always in the back of my head of he's built on these boy, he might can fight. You know what I mean? So we never right. really tried other well he was standing on the stairs that that lead down out of the trailer and i was on the ground well i started to turn we'd had we exchanged words i don't even know what was mad at each other about no telling but he jumped off the steps and punched me boom and i went down because he kind of came almost like a cross body punch you know what i'm saying like a yeah. pez press punch yeah so he was on top and I reached up and I put my thumb in his eye and I literally, I felt it pop out Ooh. and pop back in. And it was, a, I mean, instantly his eye was black and swollen shut. I mean, I felt it. It was it was the weirdest feeling. I've never done that to anybody before. But I, I, I hooked that thumb in his eye and I felt it go bloop, bloop. And then I, I grabbed him. And of course, he let go of me at that point. He grabbed his Yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> I, I rolled him over, and then I was on top, and I just started knocking him. And uh, like I said, his, his eye was instantly black. You can go back and look. It was when I think me and him were actually the first time they broke us up in Memphis. We were feuding with each other, and he come he showed up TV with a big old black eye where I put my thumb. Oh in. man, <laughs> yeah. Go on YouTube, kids, and watch that one. We'll know the story behind it. <laughs> Jerry Jarrett tells the story that he. Pulls Galento's eyeball out, literally yeah. all the way out, and it's yeah. on the mat. And you know, so Lawler has since you know said, you know, I was in the ring, I didn't see that, and Dutch is just making fun of it and, and everything, right? Yeah, <laughs> which brought me to the well, story. I mean, hey, listen, the Vader's eyeball came out in the ring, yeah, so right. it's possible, yeah, it is possible, yes, but not all the way. <laughs> yeah, it was well, like dang. It's only on a little string. It's on a little right. fucking vein <laughs> thing, you know. So I mean, honestly, it gets strained. Yeah, it, it oh can pop out. It, oh my what god! What's going with that is that it's it's somebody said wrestlers always go for the eyeballs. I did because y'all do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoopi tried to poke my eye too one time. I got a picture. I got a black going. eye. Oh man! <laughs> yeah. How does Whoopi, that feel? Because I told him he loved somebody. My fuck yeah. my eye because he said he loved somebody. <laughs> 
I mean, it was just the classic old man of where we were at the time uh, in yeah. Arkansas. So he's standing there and he's got his hands like he's he's in a somewhat of a fighting position. I don't know if I want to call it that, but he's got his hand kind of reached in his pocket. And these old motherfuckers will cut you, man. That's you ask right. the old tower to cut you, man. And right. uh, so I didn't know what to do. I swear to God, at this time, I was 19 years old. And the toughest thing I could say without, like, I didn't know what to do. Do I hit this old 90-year-old man? And it was just all going through my head. Am I going to jail if I do it? Yeah. You know, blah, blah. Right. So I look at him, and I said, you need to get the fuck out of the ring. <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. Well, yeah. about that time, Jamie grabs him by his collar and like shoot like fucking boom fucking throws him down on his back and i'm like oh shit but broke it. <laughs> jamie starts putting the boots to him but he's fucking, he's fucking working kicking him he's giving him work oh. <laughs> but the funniest part was this is the shoot he throws him down and he starts working kicking this old man <laughs> it was great so anyway that happens and so that makes somebody else mad this other guy gets in the ring and and frank morell who was uh the french angel he was another i mean frank was a big oh, yeah. referee anybody that yeah. remembers frank so frank was the referee well frank the next guy that comes in frank grabs him and just like hooks him in the corner he puts his hands on the second rope and has his shoulder into the guy's abdomen and has him hooked in the corner so I walk over to that guy and I just fucking punch him. Boom. Well, I don't even know after that point how it got settled down, but those people were thrown out by, like I said, there was no security done, but it all settled down and then me and Danny had our match. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to know. The thing about fighting an old man, it's like fighting a kid, it's like fighting a woman. If you right. lose, it looks horrible. But if you break right. them up, it looks horrible. So there's right. no winning there, you know? David Town and started working kicking them. I guess that's what you do. <laughs> right, right. Is there a story of Midget D in the cooler? Oh, man, I'm sure there is. Um, I don't remember that one exactly. I'm just, he could be referring to, and it, and it would not surprise me if he ended up in a fucking cooler. But <laughs> when he would get drunk, he would... I, See, you have to understand, Danny was his name. Danny had the mind of a child, legitimately. I'm not making fun or anything like that. He legitimately was underdeveloped that way, where he okay. had the mind of a child, the maturity level of a child. Yeah. And so dealing with him um, was was difficult sometimes, especially if you got him drinking and he liked to do other things too. So, I mean, he's having an underdeveloped brain that's jammed out on whatever, you know, you can only imagine. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and, and that brings Dale Mann back into the conversation too, because he, Dale, like Danny's parents died when he was real little. I remember a picture that was almost haunting that he had kept and he kept with him of his mother lying in her coffin and him as a younger um, little person standing there. And you know, he had a kind of a mean look anyway, but he had this yeah. really 
mad, mean look on his face. And it was a Polaroid. So you can imagine the quality and, and colors in the picture and everything. And I just remembered the, always thinking that is, is, is weird. I'm sorry, but that's weird. <laughs> But that just tells you kind of, I don't know, I, I always think it's like, like nowadays people, when their loved ones are in a hospital dying, they take a picture of it, put it on Facebook. And I'm like, please, if any son of a bitch comes and takes a picture of me on my deathbed, puts it on Facebook, I want right. them to follow me. Right, exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to the thing. Okay, so Dale like had adopted it or something like that and kind of raised him and put him in the wrestling business. So, um he would get drunk and he would just disappear. We'd be at the hotel or wherever, at a bar or whatever, and he would just disappear. I do recall a, a one particular incident where we found him. Like, this was a hotel that where the rooms were on the inside, not access from the outside. So you didn't have open breezeways. You had, you know, stairs with walls and shit. Yeah. Yeah. This, this dude was on the bottom floor up under the steps like just just there just like a little troll wow <laughs> he would do stuff like that so i i mean i'm sure he did end up in a cooler sometime you know? <laughs> so we're in memphis uh me jeff jarrett um jamie um little danny and we couldn't find him. Like I said, he <laughs> disappeared. Well, first we catch him. He's on the bar, walking up and down the bar, you know, and he's fucking hammered. And uh, then we, he disappears again after that. And the only way we found him was there. And, you know, this club in Memphis was predominantly black. And uh, Danny, he, he was a bit of a racist. Okay. And, uh, so we find him in a circle surrounded by patrons of the bar. Okay. Yeah. He's yeah. cussing and he's not, not what we just called the M as invented. He was using the N word oh, quite, man. quite uh, radically. But the part about it was they knew who he was because he was on TV with us. Yeah. And it was making them laugh. And I'm, I'm <laughs> grateful that it was making them laugh because that could have been a bad scene. But yeah. they were laughing about it because, you know, he had that speech impediment. And I guess just the fact, you know, some people you know, being in the wrestling business, I've been around uh, quite a few little people and some people have it. And, you know, some people even have phobias of it and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just uh, those combinations of things made it hilarious to him you know like a little chucky doll was sitting there cussing him out <laughs> <laughs> you know? so i don't know but it was we we me and jeff uh grabbed him and went over and there was this big old chair uh like a like an antique very nice chair that sat at the front of the the entranceway to this bar i can't remember the name of which one it was but yeah <clears throat> so we put him up in the in the chair. Of course, his little feet don't even reach the end of the cushion. And, you know, it looks <laughs> hilarious that he's sitting in this big, uh, you know, Victorian style chair. And as the bar closes, all the 
the people are like <laughs> throwing quarters and dollars and like just throwing money on as almost thank you for entertaining us tonight. <laughs> just like, what the fuck, man? And so when it's time to go, I mean, he's he's completely out of it. I mean, like nearly like not like coherent talking. I'm talking out. He's out for the gallon. Yeah. So we couldn't get him up. And, and I talked about earlier about picking up a little person. It's not right. the easy thing to do so me and jeff grabbed i think i grabbed his feet and jeff grabbed his hands and it, it was i'm serious like carrying it is so hard you know i feel like we we're moving furniture or something and uh we get out there and jeff goes because it was the, we were me and him were both screwed up too but it's like the way we were trying to do it was making it probably more harder than it had to be if one of us would just throw him over the shoulder right so right right he grabs him and he picks him up and he throws him over his shoulder so danny's head is at jeff's you know hanging down Jeff's back a little bit and when he landed okay of course his big old butt is kind of right there next to jeff's face and when he landed <laughs> the pressure of jeff's shoulder pushing on his stomach made him fart <laughs> <laughs> So Jeff starts laughing. I start laughing and he drops him right on his fucking head right there in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Kind of wakes him up actually, you know, to where he's, he grabs, he's grabbing his little head and he's like, Oh God, you know, whatever. So we put him in the car and we leave. And that's <laughs> the end. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. That thank you for that story. I can just see all that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I still can see it. Yeah. Yeah. That, visual, if you can see the visuals in my head of what I saw, you would laugh even harder, I promise. Oh, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. What I was thinking is who got the money? <laughs> Did y'all stick it in his pocket or I don't remember what? I don't know. I don't have any idea. I can't remember that. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Understand. But yeah. <laughs> Is probably Jamie took it. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right, that's awesome. <laughs> One of the infamous uh, characters that was part of our ride, uh, no pun intended there, was the 76-77 Thunderbird. We had some adventures. Nice. And just because I've told some of it, where did the Thunderbird come from? Man, my mother had a... a, a after her, my dad split up many years later or whatever, she had got a boyfriend and he bought another car. So he had it in the backyard. And I said, man, let me have that. He said, man, he said, it rains. It is, the roof leaks and it rains. I, said, I don't give a shit. Let me, let me get that thing. So me and Wolfie towed four spare tires in the back every trip. I kid you, every trip we had four tires in the trunk with on rims aired up, ready to go. Because sometimes we change two or three tires on the way to the shop. That ain't no bullshit. <laughs> when it rained, it would rain inside the car. We had this big wide thunder. We'd be just sitting shoulder to shoulder, and nobody on the other side. <laughs> it was lots of fun. It was lots of fun. No air, no heat. It was great. We got pulled over by a cop one time, and he said, where are you boys going in this hunk of shit? <laughs> said, well, we're going to wrestle. He said, I heard you boys don't make the $40 a night. And I said, yes, sir. That's what he said. Got a hunk of shit car from Jackson to Humpo for forty fucking dollars. He said, "I ain't even gonna write y'all because you can't afford to pay it. Y'all boys be safe." That's good stuff. Those people that don't know, Jackson to Humboldt is what <laughs> thirty miles, maybe. Uh, about, 
about a 12 miles or something. <laughs> and we were driving from Nashville to Arkansas. That guy said, ain't no way. Ain't no way in hell when I ride that hunk of shit nowhere. Yeah. He got my car hunk of shit. It was the best one. He said, for 40 fucking dollars, I wouldn't drive that hunk of shit from Jackson to Humboldt. He said, that's good <laughs> And then there was the... We've we, we been let go by the police many times over shitty cars or dogs got in the pee or all kind of just crazy shit. Plus, just being wrestlers. You know, wrestling was... It was big back then as far as the... Because, you know, the internet hadn't killed it yet. And TV, well, that's, you only had to watch it, you know. It, was, uh, it wasn't dead yet, as they would say. Right, right. It was and the last there, run, I believe. I believe it was the last run the, of wrestling. We had the blowout with uh, with uh, Raven before he was Raven, and remember we had to push it over that uh, over the hill. Yes, that's of a bitch. We ended up leaving it on trail on uh, Briley Parkway in Nashville. We done put another transmission in and said, "Man, fuck that car, Wolf. Let's that go." Was we the, took yeah, off walking. That was the final straw, but I'm talking about we had. Yeah, to that was it. We never went back. Stop. We got the old Thunderbird. We just left her. Did the flood take her away? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the flood probably took and washed her away. But I believe it probably been crushed long before that and sent off to downtown Nashville, where the big crane thing is and crushing yeah. cars. Yeah. yeah, I believe that's what they'd have done with that because it was truly a hunk of shit. <laughs> and it got like four miles to the gallon or something. It cost oh, eighty-five dollars to go to Memphis, and we were and we were making eighty dollars between us. We were still five in the hole before we left. Oh man! We we ate a many 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 ninety-nine cent Wendy's Junior bacon cheeseburger surviving. You believe it? Yeah, I do. Yeah. What do What do you think? Like for you is like that's my that's my shit right there. I did that. Uh, I mean, shit, like you said, there's so many of them, you know. I'm just talking about without Danny Davis, when we first started, without Danny Davis matches, we would have never learned to become wrestlers. You know, people ask me all the time, did your dad train you? I see him. My dad trained me, but Danny Davis taught me how to work. Yeah, yeah, I say that. I mean, he did. You know, he he honestly did 100%. Just talk, took me and you and said, you know, he just he taught us the right way in, in the ring, in the ring, live in front of people. Yeah, and and before that even, I mean, think about it. we got to work with George Weingroff. We got to work with Terry Adonis. Oh, yes. We got to work with Duke. And Barry Horowitz. You know, I mean, these guys, those guys could get down and go, brother. J.D. Wolf, that guy, you know, they don't remember his name, but, but by God, them guys could go, man. They, they, could, they would kill most of these people up today when it comes to getting down in the ring, man. Yeah, yeah. Who is that, Jimmy? There's some... Kid, or some some new guy or something said that the that the veterans couldn't hang with the new guys. Who was that? Hangman Page. Yeah, said that. yeah, yeah. He's one. Well, of just shit, really, man. Uh, they would put him in a wrestling hole and they wouldn't know how to get out of it. And the match would be over anyway. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> George Weingroff in 1971, the year I was born, he was a fucking Olympic medal winning fucking wrestler and shit, man. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but, but but to answer your question, the but I guess my my match yeah. that I would say is uh, it would have to be PG thirteen versus the Rock and Roll in Louisville. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. That that moment, that moment when that building hit, he. I mean, that was just uh, what a what a fucking pop, man. I mean, for real. That 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 was to me. That is the Andre putting Hogan over moment for me in my career is what right. I feel. Uh, yes, I, I mean I, you know you know what I mean. I mean yeah, that's what I believe. That's the one that shot us to. Uh, Above and beyond. And then the one with the road warriors, shit, they didn't want none. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is about that match, man, it people that was a hell of a match for television entertainment. 
Yeah. How many, how many times have the Road Warriors squashed somebody and you don't even remember? Oh, my God. I, I remember said, that. That's what I said. I said, we weighed 170 pounds and 200 pounds. Them, them boys killed God and Moses on the fucking <laughs> <laughs> Them dudes that beat everybody in the world. So to get beat by the Road Warriors was no small task. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, yeah. But, I mean, it was a hell of a match. It was entertaining as shit, man. Yeah, yeah it was. It was, that's definitely. It was. And just think. Sports entertainment. That's ass. what they wanted. That's what we gave them. They were actually clapping when me and Wolfie came up the fucking ramp <laughs> on the back. They done fired us. We done quit. But they fucking, they were applauding our, our performance. That is no shit. <laughs> and, and, and like I said, just think, man. We almost walked away from that. And would have never done that. Well, we will. We, we, yeah, but 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 we were right for doing that because we got paid the money they took away from us. You know, because they actually took our fucking money when they took them tickets back. Yeah. So when Sean said, "I'll make sure y'all get your money every Monday," I, I believe Sean. My dad gives Sean his first start, so I figured, "Hey, Sean, it's not that Sean owes me, but Sean ain't gonna bullshit me." You know, fuck Bruce Pritchard. That dude was a lying. He, he was trying to tell us lines that my fucking daddy made up. Jack off. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for real. I mean, I'm 100% shooting right here. I guess y'all could tell, you know. That old half a face fucking Jim Ross is going to come and, hey, well, really get me? let me upgrade your ticket chair, man. You fucking little worm. Oh, he, where's his loyalty? Oh, my God, I heard he went to AEW. Where's your loyalty, motherfucker? Oh, my God, got me fired up now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for yes. real, you know, that's bullshit, man. Yeah, it is. He kissed Jenna Jameson on fucking pay-per-view, bro. I mean, come on. Right. I mean, right. you know, you know how many dicks I sucked right then. <laughs> About thirty. Yeah, uh, right that second, like, damn, I just sucked thirty dicks, man. What the fuck? <laughs> and I did it for five hundred dollars. So I mean, so so what? Uh, some of y'all listening have done it for free. So fuck you. <laughs> but don't judge me. <laughs> you know it, that uh, that match when they show it on. Uh, I guess it's WWE Network or something. But when they show it now, there's they edit it out. Like you kissed her, and then you grabbed the mic and you said, "Damn, that tastes like dick." Tastes like dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That, but it did. That's been, it did. I mean, what else would it taste like? Anybody else kisses her? I promise. And I have never. That was the first time I'd ever really tasted dick. And. Uh, <laughs> And, 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 but I know it was dick. It was far none. It was dick. Probably, it was like that did not fucking taste right, Wolf. <laughs> I remember one time uh, me and Wolfie was in Puerto Rico, and I, I, I had a morning boner, and I threw my arm and leg over him, and then squeezed up against him. Like I don't know, I was sleeping anyway. Whoa, whoa, whoa! And he slid out on the fucking bed. He's like, "No, we got to get a room with two beds, bro. We, we can't be doing this shit." <laughs> so, and that was the closest I ever been to being gay. Those stories were hilarious, bro. Uh, those are some good ones, man. Some of the best. And those were actually hand-picked, not just by me, but you had your hand, and we picked all those stories. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, There's those are problems. I'm surprised I'm still alive. I am surprised. That's what I was just about to say. <laughs> I am surprised. I'm surprised you're not one of those skeletons out in your ring in the front yard, man. <laughs> no but, doubt. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, like we promised before, you know what I've got to do now, right? Ask me questions. 
ask you more <laughs> questions. <laughs> exactly. I'm holding him to it, y'all. <laughs> He's busy, man. He's making a little bit of time to do this. So we're going to take advantage and we're going to ask Wolfie D anything. We'll be right back. Hey, DJ, hit that music. Right, we are back with Ask Wolfie D anything on this very special best of the early stories episode. And yeah, man, that was a lot of fun. I always enjoy listening to those stories. I'll just random since I have them all saved, I just go back and listen to some of the early ones, man. They're always funny. Yeah. I, that one about the powder in your throat, honestly, bro, I know it's the scariest for you that that one is easily my favorite, honestly. I know that's crazy to say. Thanks. Yeah, I know, right? But I mean, still, bro, it's so funny, man. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Anyway, we, we definitely appreciate y'all sticking around with us today. We hope y'all enjoyed all those stories that, like I said, Wolfie D handpicked for this best of episode. So with that being said, we got a few questions here, as always, for Ask Wolfie D. We're always creating new content, so just stay with us here on this one. So the very first question on the show is Bill Merriman on Facebook. And he says this. He says, who is the stiffest guy you've ever worked with mm, um you know i always say perry but it, early perry yeah uh, but then you know tna perry wasn't as bad because he was still as strong as he could be um but yeah man um he laid his stuff in uh and then there was guys man that like because they were so green, they were really stiff and not know where they're putting stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I know uh, when I was a kid, man, and I might have told this before, Cool Breeze, uh, one of my best <laughs> and Dante, man. And my, oh. step, my stepdad used to put motherfuckers up to this shit, man, to try to get them to lay shit in on me. I yeah. swear to God, that son of a bitch hit me with a chair across the back. It felt like the hand of God smacked me. I, I swear. Oh, man. It hurt so bad. But and, and Brickhouse Brown even told me one time, he said, but once he got to know me, he said, he said, brother, he said, your stepdaddy told me to be a little snug with you but when i locked up with you and i figured out you knew what you was doing i just had a good match with you <laughs> so yeah uh, pete used to put motherfuckers up to that shit man i've heard pete had a hell of a chop as far as like how you know his yeah. chop with the land. overhand the yeah. overhand big show gimmick yeah which i'm i won't say i love that chop but it works for the big guys right, right. because yeah and it makes sense. But anyway, yeah. So he and how tall was Pete? He was like six. He's about six, eight, six, nine. Yeah. So he's not far from Big Show. So that's pretty crazy. But I've heard a story that Kroll told me that if his hand landed in the middle of your chest, his finger was touching your shoulder, basically. Ah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty wild. So you're saying basically cool breeze, which can you give me, can you give me his laugh a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I understand. Well, we need to fix that. But anyway, also, you know, you said Perry, too. Yeah, now, Breeze, and, Perry, some of those guys, man. What about some of the juiced up guys? Were, were those guys still? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the, uh, 
what was his name? There was a Max Muscle guy that came from the power plant, and, and then man, Jeff power, uh, he he wasn't that bad. Well, yes, he was because he dislocated my jaw pretty much <laughs> with, with, a work, with a working punch. But um, yeah, oh, he man. was stiff, and it's just because he was so reckless and not really good at it. It wasn't that he was trying to kill you, but uh, I mean, there was plenty of guys that just laid in, and I'm one of them. I I lay my stuff in. I think I told you before. Yeah. Uh, Donnie Don Harris used to tell me, "Man, I love working you." I'm like, "What? What? Why?" <laughs> he said, "Cause man, you you ain't afraid to lay it in." He said, "Most of these guys that are smaller than us, they're scared to hit us." He said, yeah. "You ain't." Nah. <laughs> hey, I got. I know you're going to hit me and I'm going to hit you back. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, man, that's a fun question. You know, we do get asked that sometimes and it usually comes up during conversation with the guys. And the Undertaker's and, old bodyguard or, or, or he was the head of security at yes, WWE. Jim Dotson. Jim Dotson. He was Undertaker's buddy and he, he wrestled a little, I use that term loosely. Uh, he wrestled a little bit before he uh, started doing that job and that motherfucker was reckless stiff and strong as an ox man uh, didn't he know. come from like the tom burton camp or something was I that i don't remember probably i think, I think he and iran were in that same camp and yeah, yeah. i know he was him yeah, or knew yeah. Him. he's passed away but. yeah rest in peace jim dotson but yeah you could see that dude was on raw more than anybody man he, <laughs> you could always see him but anyway well that one's a great question thank you bill appreciate it as always for the good questions guys the next one's kind of similar so we're, we're going to stay in this range here this is right. jason tucker on facebook and jason's a great listener definitely always active on the socials with us we definitely appreciate that he says this one is what was the most vicious chair shot you've ever taken <laughs> i just said cool breeze <laughs> yeah okay yeah so. i really think that well, that one reminds me um, um i mean yeah that was a good one that was a real good one um and and really honestly i've been hit with so many of them it's hard to say that this particular one but I guess because I was so young and, you know, I'm talking, I was probably 16 or 17 and uh, that shit hurt. <laughs> rattle, did it rattle your brain a little? <laughs> oh, it just it hit me flat across the back. Oh, man. yeah. And I'd rather be hitting the head than in the back with a chair. I hate that shit. The quotation <laughs> safe way that they do now. Yeah. To me, that oh. hurts worse. I believe it, bro. I mean, <laughs> there's just no way it couldn't hurt, man. Dude, I just had an MRI on my lower back. You know, I've had back issues and surgery and stuff like that. And, you know, I can't imagine taking those shots to the back like that, man. That's just crazy. So, yeah. Well, that's that's pretty much that question. I appreciate the question, Jason. That was, that was always good. I always like to hear about Wolfie getting his ass kicked, you know. So, <laughs> so the, the, the last one of the day on this very special best of the funny stories, whatever we're going to call it, is from Martin Edwards on Facebook. And he asked this. It says, if WWE were to come to you and say, hey, Wolfie, we want to put you in the Hall of Fame as PG-13, not just the nation literally as pg-13 who would you want to induct you hmm. even though that is very far-fetched sure <laughs> yeah hypothetically hypothetically yeah. let me think of people that are still alive um <sighs> danny davis danny okay yeah out of the people that are still alive or possibly 
because uh, Danny really don't want nothing to do with wrestling anymore. So maybe maybe Jeff Jarrett, you know, he's he's given PG thirteen. He was responsible for, you know, getting the word to his dad and all that stuff. And Jerry's no longer with us, so he can't do it. Yeah. So it'd, it'd be somebody like Danny or Jeff, I, I would imagine. Those are two good ones. Yeah, I think those are two viable. I mean, honestly, they they should be putting Danny in the Hall of Fame if we're being yeah. honest here for all that he did for those guys, those early guys that you know yeah. fed the. Roof. I mean, look at look at OVW now. I mean, dude, yeah. I, I know remember when it was just a little bitty nothing, you know. And yeah, these guys are getting a a huge push thanks to Netflix, you know. Yeah, totally. And another guy that we got to mention too, we had cash flow on and now you know the two man power trip is having cash flow on. We just we do notice this stuff, guys. We're very popular with other podcasts. They really <laughs> like us. So <laughs> all love, all respect. Yeah. But, but funny anyway so so yeah jeff you know i mean because you could think maybe lawler but lawler really wasn't a big fan of the gimmick as well you know uh, uh, he you was know. he was but he, he became thought, a fan of it but he, yeah. he didn't love rap i guess you know yeah and and also i'm taking into consideration his uh you know his his capacity right now sure know. that makes sense you know the more logical person because Danny is in hiding. We know that right now, you know, he doesn't want anything to do with coming on the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. We love you, Danny. But (laughs) I think Jeff would be the most logical person probably to get it done. And yeah. And you know, Oh, well, let me ask you this. So, you know, there is like the impact TNA hall of fame. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who would maybe induct you there? Jeff again? (laughs) I was thinking that, yeah, but I was trying to give you a different answer. Um, Jeff or... Because uh, so you'd be going in with Jim, you know, you'd probably be going in with Jim and, and Brian and all those guys. Yeah, so that's what I was fixing to ask you. Do we mean PG-13 or do we mean Disciples? Um, so, again, I mean, that was a Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett put together, you know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah. It, it, have to be probably Jeff. Yeah, that's cool. I definitely think that's due overdue. The disciples definitely need to be. I mean, you're originals, man. You know, yeah. you know, if they that some of the guys they put in there, I understand it's like big names. I respect that. But, you know, you got to do some of the originals. And, and I think, you know, I could easily see that happening where, you know, the the WWE is way hypothetical. I could actually yeah. see somewhat of a, a thing it, there's there's a higher percentage of that happening i think right and yeah, yeah. absolutely man uh, i mean it would be nice and the only thing is i feel like they do forget about the beginning sometimes you know and the people that helped to launch the fucking product you know right right because uh, a lot of people really consider those weekly pay-per-views almost like they didn't happen you know right Exactly. It's like it's like Orlando was the first thing, you know, but it's like OVW didn't exist before Batista and Cena and Orton got there, even though it did. It's kind of almost like that in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. I I may be wrong on that. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's all I got for today on this very special Ask Wolfie D anything. And yeah, man, that's it, brother. So. Cool. Go, go enjoy your y'all, boy, man. <laughs> y'all be y'all be looking on uh, the uh, website for uh, clips of my yard 
we'll see if Jimmy can't throw those on there for you. Absolutely. I'll be getting it out there for cool. sure. Cool. <laughs> we'll yeah. let everybody check it out. All right. All sounds right, good, guys. brother. Tuning in, and uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully with a guest. If not, yeah. we'll bullshit some more. So. <laughs> We're good at bullshitting our way through things here. The, the kings of it. <laughs> Everybody have a good day. Thank you for listening. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. The podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics, to superstar interviews, to action figure expertise. This team does it all, and all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah. Hey everyone, this is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you're interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M-the-man73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World. So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact 
contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast, you have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah. And remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cap for you don't. He got a cap for you don't. He got a And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still lobbing in color. Rum rush your mother, utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD, and I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Tired of suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip hop. Been doing it like this since 92. Played low for a while when you thought I was through. Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected. This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected. Bad skills, no faking, there is no one great. Cause I'm bringing more folks and over and forth later. Not here to play games, so you better be You don't like me, so what? I really don't care. All the time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You set a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped. When I finish, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. Gonna wind it up. Driving it home, it's Wolfie D, baby. Huh? I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.